Greetings, everyone. Happy Pride Month, and welcome to the Manifesting Brilliance Living Your Authentic Life podcast. My name is Jerome Emhoff. I'm the host, and I am really pleased to welcome you to the space and to our conversation today. As we always begin, let's take a moment to ground ourselves. Uh, so if you're not uh, driving an automobile or operating heavy machinery, in other words, if it's safe for you to do so, I invite you just to simply close your eyes. And without changing anything, just become aware of your breath. As you know, I'm a student of A Course in Miracles, and our breath puts us in touch with this this moment right now, the present moment. And this moment is the only time where our time intersects with eternity or God's time. And we see in the middle of our minds a little ball of golden light. We watch this light as it begins to grow larger and larger. Until now, it fills the entire inner vision of our mind. We see for ourselves within this light a beautiful temple. We see a garden which surrounds the temple and a body of water which flows through the garden. We notice that the inside of the temple is lit as well with the same beautiful golden light. And here we are. For we have been called together by the power and into the presence of God, our source, the creator of all that is. We devote this time spent together, our relationships to one another, the work that we do and all that we are to God's Holy Spirit. And we pray that that same Holy Spirit would lift us above and beyond this world of chaos, this world of illusion and turmoil to the grace and peace and perfect love which lay beyond. And so it is, together we say, amen. And it is my pleasure on this podcast to welcome Amy Montgomery, who is a digital marketing expert. Her company is called A Call to Thrive. And just to uh, give you a little bit of background, uh, Amy and I met serendipitously when she reached out to me via LinkedIn and asked me to be a guest on her podcast. And uh, as often happens, the more we spoke to one another, the more we realized how much we have in common, uh, how much we think similarly about the world and certain topics. And uh, I had such a fun time on her podcast that I made her return the favor and be a guest on my podcast. So with that, I'd like to say welcome, Amy. How are you doing today? I'm so excited to be here. I I honestly like our podcast together was probably one of my favorites. I just, yeah, I just really loved it. So great. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. It was a great conversation and, um, and it's really awesome to have you uh, join um, this show and uh, you know, let's just jump right in before we started recording. You were sharing with me um, how you're beginning to integrate your spirituality into your uh hopefully into your business on some level, but that you're sort of um, stepping into being more, let's say more out there in social media with respect to your spiritual journey. And, um, and I think it's an interesting place to be in when you have a, a, like a brand that you're developing in terms of being an entrepreneur, being a solopreneur and building business, and then having this other hat that you wear as a spiritual being. And how do you put yourself out there and not, and sort of try to, to sort of have it all aligned with the same personal brand, if you will. Yeah. And um, for me, I'll just say, you know, as a gay man um, and uh, building my coaching practice, which is, has a spiritual bent, um, I recently just had to come come clean with the fact that I'm in love with Jesus, you know, although I don't identify as a Christian necessarily I do have this affinity for Jesus and so it was like oh I have to come out about that (laughs) and then you think like but I'm a gay man and the church has been so cruel to gay people like how do I say I love Jesus but I'm also a gay man so share a little bit about how you're sort of taking taking part in this journey what's what's been happening for you with respect to that yeah, there's so many labels out there, isn't it? That just puts you right in a box. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So, you know, uh, prior to doing my own agency and everything, I, I you know, I, I thought that my goal in life was to be a minister. 
And that's what I put 100% into. At my heart, how what I defined faith as was because I grew up in a family that had really lacked love. And so my definition was I encountered love with my relationship with God. And what's interesting, we were, I was raised Catholic as well. And I remember going through all of the Catholic stuff and spending times with nuns and all this stuff and really wanting some answers at about age 12. And I remember going into the church, I was praying every single day. And I said, God, all I want is to know you. And I heard an almost like an audible voice speak back to me and say, everything's going to change from now on. And what's interesting is I ended up encountering God and having a relationship with him, but it wasn't, wasn't inside of a church. Um, as I just met people and learned things and connections and stuff. And I'm glad because it allowed me to have my own journey and not connect it to a denomination of one. So I've probably attended every denomination that exists from science. My dad took me to science of minds to the Pentecostal, to the whole thing. And I, I also grew up in a very toxic environment. So what that made me do was gravitate more towards a lot of the toxic, more toxic leaders in religion. And I wanted to follow all the rules so I would be acceptable. And then like, you're never acceptable, you know? So I was extreme with the rules because I was so wanting that love. So it wasn't until, and then, you know, I was out there on like, I'm, I'm very clairvoyant or I call it prophetic. Um, and I used to be on YouTube telling people what was going to happen in their life and all this kind of stuff. And I wrote books and I traveled around and spoke. But then when I went through this whole realization of the trauma that I had experienced and that I grew up in a toxic environment, I had CPTSD, I had temporary psychosis, I had all this stuff and I had spiritualized a lot of my mental health and I was not a black and white person. I'm a very gray person and I love understanding people and understanding different angles of things and stuff. I'm a very curious person. And I, and I had been living in this box and suppressed. And so as I got through, you know, I had to redefine everything because a lot of the, the spiritual experiences I had, I realized were trauma, um, like experiencing, you know, demons attacking me. Well, that was a flashback. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Um, I had, and I, you know, I, I thought I saw a lot of angels and I know now that it was temporary psychosis because it hasn't happened since I got healing in the trauma area of trauma and kind of going through all of that. And then what's interesting is I took this different perspective and I, I said to myself, okay, I've had all these religious experiences and spiritual experiences, and I want to know the psychology behind a lot of them. And I want to know what other people, if other people in other areas and other faiths are experiencing the same thing. And then I found out that all the stuff that like, I, I tend to be more, was more in the Christian mysticism, if -hmm. you will, in that camp. And so there are a lot of like former witches or people that would actually go to certain conventions that were more, that were actually for a lot of different witches that would come together and do different things. And they would go. And so there was always like this weird kind of like more spiritual thing and signs and wonders and stuff. And I never really knew, you know, wasn't sure about a lot of it, but I was definitely curious and kind of going through all of that and realizing that I had, I had spiritualized so much stuff I had, you know, and going through and realizing that everyone was experiencing a lot of the same stuff. So it's like, okay, it's not just my little, and I found in talking to a lot of different spiritual people that they thought that they were the only ones. Oh, this is only in our awakening group. And I'm like, oh no, and do you know about the Christian mystics over here? You know, like they see diamonds that show up in their meetings, you know, and they're like, what? <laughs> like, and having those conversations with people, um, it, it, and then diving into some of the psychology and stuff, that's, that's kind of the path I started to go down. And it wasn't until it took me a couple of years of rebuilding and asking myself, okay, I know for sure that I love Jesus. I know for sure that's the only love that I've truly known. And he taught me love. Uh-huh. And uh, that's one thing I can stay, say for sure. And right. that's, you know, my core thing. Um, and then as far as, as, you know, 
you know, I haven't been able to bring myself to go back to like an organized, like organized religion, like church. I, I feel like I read, there's a psychologist that helped me go through my healing. And she said that for those that have been raised in toxic environments, churches are really not a good place for you to be right. because they are built kind of in that toxic, in a, in a toxic, not that churches are all toxic, but they have a structure of, I will never be good enough. Here's all the things that you're not doing right. And you've got to live up. You've got to live up, live up. And for someone that's been raised in a toxic environment, that's told you're not good enough, putting yourself in that, you're just going to be constantly thinking. You're right. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So much to unpack in what you shared, Amy, so much. And I, um, like you grew up Roman Catholic, um, and also have been on this journey of searching. Um, and also, you know, um, have found that my, my spirituality is so eclectic. You know, I learned transcendental meditation about four years ago. I've been interested in crystals and, and, uh, you know, the vibration, vibrational energy of different types of, of gemstones. I, um, you know, I read tarot cards occasionally. I just feel like there's so many things out there that are sources of wisdom and sources of, of knowledge. And if we know how to use them properly, um, you know, they can lead us to a spiritual experience. And what I discovered for myself in going through my faith formation, you know, having been raised Roman Catholic and really steeped in the church, I was a youth minister, a music minister, taught at a Catholic school until 2000. And I was actually asked to resign from that position because of my sexual orientation. And that was my sort of wake up to like, wait a second, um, there's God who I know, who I've had experiences of, Jesus, who I felt like I met in the sacraments. Uh, like, I really do believe in the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. I do believe that very, com- you know, completely, uh, you know, from my Catholic teaching, that's, you know, something I like, I love to go into a, a Catholic church and kneel before the tabernacle and talk with Jesus. Cause I believe that's true. But then I had to realize that the church, the hierarchy of the church, the organization, the institution is created, was created by foul, fallible, fail, you know, men who, who had failed in really teaching us who Jesus was, you know, uh, despite the fact that we believe in the infallibility of the Pope. Right. And so my journey has been really about discovering all of that um, in, in a lot of ways. And you're right. There is such, such sort of toxicity in, in the church, in the fact that we're, we're taught if you belong to a Christian church of any stripe, you're really taught that you were born in sin and you have to have salvation and that the way to have salvation is through the church, because through the church, you can have access to Jesus who died on the cross for you, shed his blood for you so that you could now be acceptable. And I discovered A Course in Miracles. That's become my spiritual path. And I have to tell you, it totally changed everything I believe. I no longer believe in original sin. I believe in original goodness, original holiness, because we were created in the image and likeness of God, who is love. So how could we have been created in sin? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me either. Yeah. And the Course in Miracles says, your salvation did not come through the crucifixion. It came through the resurrection. And I had this aha moment of like, well, why did Jesus die on the cross? Well, he died on the cross because he was convicted of a crime he was executed had nothing to do with us what what he showed us though by rising from the dead is that there is no death that we can rise again it's the story of the resurrection that matters and there's been such freedom in that for me to realize oh wait i'm perfect whole and complete and I can walk in communion with the Holy Spirit, knowing that I am love in a body, I am light in a body, and nothing I do 
despite what the church taught me. There's nothing I do that can separate me from the love of God. That which we call sin is an error. It's a mistake. And the Holy Spirit will help us correct it. Yeah. It's not a transgression for which I'm being punished. Yeah. Ever. Um, And so I have found such freedom in that. And it's been a really beautiful journey. And so when you're talking about the toxicity of the church and that feeling that you're never good enough, you're never going to be good enough. You have to do all these things to be good enough. That is not the message of God. Yeah. God's message is you're already good enough. There's nothing you need to do to be better. Yeah. Yeah. He loves you just the way you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things for me was to learn how to hold my shortcomings in my heart with compassion. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're familiar with that, but, um, I, I, you know, I had no clue. No one ever taught me how to process my emotions and sit in them or think, you know, and I remember going through this exercise I'd written or read a book called who dies. And it's, it was written by a guy who worked with people that were preparing to die, but he started to, he teaches you how to be happy now. Don't wait till the last, you don't have to wait, you know? And one of the things he talked about was when you are, when you've done something that you're not happy about, about yourself, that if you, if you take that thing and without judgment, hold that in your heart with massive compassion and just allow yourself to be imperfect rather than feeling like, Oh my gosh, I feel so horrible now. And I've got to like, you know, cause you beat yourself down. What's incredible about that is not only is it very healing and it brings you, cause I really believe kind of like what you say that if you have a relationship with God, he's going to, he's going to change you as you continue to grow. And that's his right. job. Right? right. Right. And so you don't really have to take that burden on. And, uh, and so as I was, if I started to do that, then suddenly I was able to do that for other people. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, because like, you can, yeah. Cause you can have compassion for others. So it's interesting. Cause I think what you're talking about without really saying it is the difference between guilt and shame. Like, I think there's guilt, which is healthy, right? Mm-hmm. If I feel guilty about something I've done or some thought I'm having or how I'm treating somebody, that guilt is my conscience saying you're acting in a way that's not in alignment with who you truly are. You're not showing up as the love you are in this moment. You're not in integrity with your word. You're not in integrity with your actions. So there's guilt. That's my conscience. Shame, though, is when I do the thing and I feel the guilt and then I say, oh, and that means I'm a mess up. That means I'm a horrible person. That means I'm no good. Or somebody else shames you because you're not living up to their standards or doing the things that they want to do. Shame is always toxic. Guilt is healthy. Yeah. Right. It's I'm not in alignment. And then what you do is you get into alignment. Yeah. And there's this really beautiful prayer in the um, Course in Miracles. It's on page 90 of the of the text. Um, and it's the atonement prayer. And I'm just going to read it really quickly because I think it's it's really awesome. It says um, so basically before it, it says your part is merely to return your thinking to the point at which the error was made and give it over to the atonement in peace. Say this to yourself as sincerely as you can, remembering that the Holy Spirit will respond fully to your slightest invitation. I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. I made the decision myself, but I can decide otherwise. I want to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my, un- of my wrong decision if I will let him. I choose to let him by allowing him to decide for God for me. And so you can go to that moment where you messed up and say, okay, I decided wrongly. I'm not at peace. So how can I see the situation differently? How can I see this through the eyes of love? Which is what you're saying when you're looking at your shortcomings and you're having compassion for yourself. Yeah. And the Course says that we heal when we are healing others because there's only one of us here. So I forgive myself, I forgive you, and in forgiving you, I'm forgiving myself. And in forgiving myself, I'm forgiving you because we're all the same. There's only one of us here. Salvation is for the entire sonship at once. Um, So, yeah, I love that notion about having compassion for yourself and what that opens up 
for other people. Yeah. 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 Cause it's so easy to get stuck in that cycle. And then what do you do? Well, I'm not good enough. So, mm-hmm. and I know that I'm a mess, so I'm not going to try. I'm not going to, you know, like you can go down that path or, or you, you, you do a lot like what I used to do was follow absolutely every rule to an extreme, right? Like a Pharisee, like the Pharisees they talked about yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, you live this life of just total constraint of, cause you can't, it's impossible to be perfect. Well, and I think when you do that, you abdicate your, um, your own judgment, your own ability to discern and to know God to an authority outside of yourself. Like I will know God by following the letter of the law. And I did that as a Catholic as well as a gay man in Catholicism. I tried really hard. I mean, I was married to a woman. I, I, um, I remember my little sister was not getting married in the Catholic church. And uh, she asked me to play the piano at her wedding. And I said, no, I won't play at your wedding because you're not getting married in the church until my mom said, Jerome, she's your sister. You will play the piano at her wedding. And I did. And, and then you know, with my older sister, some decisions she made about divorcing her husband and some things like I was just really self-righteous and really sort of in their faces. And then when I came out, I was like, I saw my hypocrisy and realized that I was living this very strict, you know, Catholic life as much as I could, because it was my way of hiding who I truly was. Okay. Yeah. It was my way of, yeah, I was hiding behind my faith. Yeah. Cause yeah. then I could, you know, deny that I was gay or maybe thought it would go away or whatever. Um, think- but, but the pendulum swings back and forth, right? It's either one extreme or the other until we find that happy. Go yeah. ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I think for me, I was definitely looking for love and acceptance. So I thought if I, if I followed all the rules, then finally I would get that. And then in a really odd way, giving and helping other people w- to the point of like, even if it cost me my own life, that's how extreme I was. If I could help somebody else, that made me feel loved. But it wasn't, but it was, I realize now it was selfish because um, it was out of emptiness. I wouldn't say selfishness, but it was, I was giving out of emptiness. And because I was giving out of, I, w- I didn't love myself. And so because I was giving to get love, to get really feel that love, it, it wasn't a healthy thing. And yeah, I helped a lot of people. There are people that, you know, um, you know, I, I traveled to Italy, did a lot of like open air things. One guy like nearly um, was about to kill himself. And because I was giving my, my story uh, in the middle of Naples, he decided not to kill himself. And I was ex- actually sharing some of my trauma experiences and um you know, like, so I got to help a lot of people. And there are a lot of people that said, oh, you've helped me. You've changed my life, all this kind of stuff. But I was doing that without, without loving myself first. And when yeah. you do that, then you so need to help people that it drives you to like, you know, I, I turned it into a career. This is what I'm called to do. I need to know, I need pe- people to know they're loved and I need to be loved mm-hmm. instead of I'm loved. People are loved. And now what can I do to contribute to, Right. you know, it's a completely different perspective. It's, it's, yeah. It's interesting because just last night in the course, the miracles group that I've been leading, we had a conversation about um, giving and receiving. So in the manual for teachers um, in the course of miracles manual talks about the 10 characteristics of teachers of God. And a teacher of God is anyone who chooses to be an essential. We're all teachers of God. And to teach means to demonstrate. So to demonstrate love is to teach, to be a teacher for God. But one of the characteristics is generosity. And in the course, it speaks about giving and receiving as being the same. And when we give, when we give to get, which is essentially what you're describing you were doing, you were giving of yourself to get something back in return, but it's not really giving. Mm-hmm. Because we can only give when we give love. We don't when we give love away, we don't deplete it in ourselves. Yeah, it's not sacrificing yourself it, uh, to at it. all. Anything we give, we give so it's a complete 
It completes the love in us by giving it away. We give away only those things that we have in complete abundance, right? Giving forgiveness. When we give forgiveness, um, we have more forgiveness. And by giving love, we have more love. It's like the opposite of how the world sees things, right? From the world perspective, if I give you money, I have less, right? Yeah. But if I give you love, I have more. If I give you forgiveness, I have more forgiveness. If I give you compassion, I have more compassion. But we also can give from the empty cup or give love in the hope of getting something in return. And then we're really not giving. Yeah. Yeah. So that, it's interesting that you, I, it's so funny that you're talking about these things that we just talked about last night um, because it's such a, uh, an interesting mindset. And the thing is, what I'm learning is um, the course begins by saying one of the first things says is um, all expressions of love are maximal. All expressions of love are maximal. In other words, it's not possible to love just a little. Right. It's funny because in romantic love, we think, oh, I love you more than I've loved anyone else. I love you, you know, more than whatever and it's not possible love is love is love it's all maximum um and our we're called to love everybody yeah and to forgive everything to forgive everything even that thing we think we cannot forgive we forgive it yeah yeah we forgive everything I, you know it's funny i've i've run into a lot of other other people like myself that had toxic parents mm-hmm. didn't have the emotional love, whatever. And I have forgiven my family. I recognize that they are dealing with, you know, um, things that are beyond my, my comprehension and ability, you know, to, to grasp and, and all of that. And what's interesting is I saw a post the other day of someone in this, in this kind of uh, area saying, when you look at your uh, parent that was not, you know, that was toxic, say, what are the positive things that they, that passed on to you? Mm -hmm. What are the talents, the aspirations, the dreams, the you know, um, the, the things, the gifts they give you. And, the, and it was interesting because I saw all these posts on there. I can't ever, you know, forgive them. If I do that, if I see that they're not, that they're, because they're, they're saying like, n- nobody is a hundred percent bad. They might do bad things. They might have mental issues. They might have different things. You might need to choose to not be around them for your own safety, but not, you know, you can always find good in somebody. Mm-hmm. So yeah. finding that good. And, and celebrating that good because you can't get away from your parents. I'll I'll walk around the house. I'm like, oh, I just sounded like my mom. I just, you know, like, oh, but, but understanding myself and learning who I was helped me to understand her more and probably at a deeper level that she ever understood herself. And, but, you know, to that point, like the most painful, the people that are causing you the most pain are usually the ones that are closest to you. And you have to get to a point where you forgive and in my definition of it is letting your letting yourself go from the prison mm-hmm. of, right. of being a victim. Yeah. It, forgiveness is I will no longer be at the effect of this thing that you did to me. Yeah. Doesn't mean it was right. It just means I will no longer be at the effect of it. Yeah. We forgive for ourselves. It, so a couple of things. Amy Grant sings a song. I can't remember the name of the song, but there's a lyric that says there's so much um, there's so much bad so much good in the in the worst of us so much bad in the best of us it never makes sense for any of us to judge the rest of us and it's true there's Mm -hmm. you know those people we think who are good people have bad in them there are things Mm -hmm. that they've done that nobody you know um nobody knows you know and the things that keep them awake at night where they were um the most unloving Here's the thing too, as we're talking, we've been using the word toxic and, and I had this flash because I thought about this. I think we need to change even how we think about that because there's no such thing as a toxic person, really. At the end of the day, so I'm thinking from, this, from the perspective of Course in Miracles. 
the Course in Miracles would say that all of us are perfect, whole, and complete. We're all sinless. And at our essence, that's who we are. We're all love in a body. Those people who behave in a way that we consider toxic are behaving in a way that they have identified is the way they need to behave to get their needs met. And if they could do differently, they would. Yeah. They haven't learned. So what we call somebody who is a toxic person is somebody who just hasn't learned that they can behave differently and still get their needs met. And they are also the sum total of whatever their life's experiences are. And I'm sure that on some level, whatever your parents' story is, they have wounds and... Oh, yeah. They're total survivors. I mean, my father, yeah. My father had alcoholic parents that were so abusive to him, like extreme. Um, You know, there's photos of the abuse, you know, Mm -hmm. that he, he endured. And he had a... His father was outright... He, well, he called him very evil. I mean, he was in the Masons. He hate, he was very racist, all this kind of stuff. Cause he had gone through abuse, right? So you That's have all the cycle. That. It's the cycle, right? Yeah. yeah. Until yeah. somebody breaks it. And what I think is beautiful, Amy, is how these, your parents and your family of origin have been your greatest spiritual teachers on some level. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, in a painful way, but they have helped you to ask the questions, to be in a place where, um, where you decided I'm going to break the cycle. I'm not going to be like them. Uh, Yeah. And I think that what stood out was I was born with empathy. And what I mean by that is the ability to have compassion for another human being and put myself in that, their perspective and how they might feel. Right. right. Um, and as, as a survivor, I had to know what the people around me were feeling. So I was able to tune into that so I can feel now feel, you know, I'm the empath. I can feel other people's emotions, um, which has helped me. But what's interesting is even having conversation, like with my mom say, she said to me one day, what if I wanted to be emotional? She called it being emotional. Cause she didn't have the same those same emotions. She, and she said to me one day, she goes, I know they're in there, but these still come out. And from a psychological perspective, what I learned was if a child doesn't get emotional love from the age one to five, not all of them, but many of them that never grows. Now it's a muscle and it can grow, but because like you said, they're already getting their needs met where they're at. There's no motivation on a deep level or enough pain really, or, you know, that they even get to that level of awareness to go and strengthen that muscle. Yeah. And I'm guessing that in your mother's family of origin, it wasn't safe for her to express emotion. Yeah. I mean, she was uh, like, um, she had nine brothers and sisters. Her mother raised them because her father uh, died at a young age. And then they had a whole bunch of foster kids too, like they're 14 people. So she basically, and she had to raise her brothers and sisters and her mother, I think was very, uh, you know, very unemotional. Didn't tell her that she loved her either. So I think there was something there. So, you know, again, it's the generational thing. And so you have to decide, okay, I'm going to be the one that's going to break the generational curse of toxic love and, you know, and be the one that's, that's going to be a little bit different. And, you know, when I say that again, you cut out for a second. Oh, Uh, well, yeah. So I had to break the curse of what, uh, break the curse of toxic love, generational toxic love and, and redefine it. And I think, um, you know, for those of in that type of family that you're the one that's born with empathy, you start to ask, well, why did I, cause they don't know why, Yeah. Yeah. you know, like maybe you're just born a little bit different in your, it, it, um, as a human being. And for whatever reason, you turned out to be the one that has empathy and you've turned out to have the golden ticket to have a brand new life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, that was difficult for me because I was like, it's not fair that they don't ever get to experience this level of love and that they couldn't understand even, even my encounters with God that was, uh, that were emotional. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like, you, and- to your point, it's a completely different reality. 
Yeah, and they do have the capacity. They just haven't tapped into it because they haven't yeah, it, been. They didn't grow it. Right. Or and and for a lot of people, I think they stay stuck in their addiction. They stay stuck in their their trauma, whatever it is, because they feel it's safe, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and to break that open is just too much. Yeah, I have a friend who um, I talked about someone he dated who was sort of distant and. And, um, and this, this man said to my, my friend, I'm so afraid to go there because I'm afraid I'll start crying and I'll never be able to stop. I'm afraid that the emotion, I'll just feel all of these things and it'll be too much and I won't know how to handle it. And there is that fear, right. Of being that vulnerable, that open. Um, I wanted to share, uh, something that Miller Williams, who's a poet wrote. Um, it's one of my favorite, I guess it's a poem. Um, anyway, and his, his daughter, Lucinda Williams, actually set this to music. Um, but he wrote, have compassion for everyone you meet, even if they don't want it. What seems conceit, bad manners, or cynicism is always a sign of things no ears have heard, no eyes have seen. You do not know what wars are going down, are going on down there where their spirit meets the bone. Let me read that part again. You do not know what wars are going on down there where the spirit meets the bone. Yeah. And that is so true. Like the people who seem the angriest and the most distant and the most toxic are fighting a war where the spirit meets the bone. Yeah. And for us to be compassionate. And I'm thinking, you know, like even what's happening in Ukraine, right? Uh, with Vladimir Putin, you know, in my prayer, I, I've, I pray for him. Yeah. You know, I pray for him that he would understand whatever he needs to understand to stop doing what he's doing. Yeah. It's like a, a cry for significance and to leave a legacy. Yeah. And I mean, you know, wow, doesn't that show you that uh, he hasn't gone down that journey to find his own right. significance, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Course in Miracles says anything that isn't love is a cry for love. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and you can see it. And um, yeah, and, you know, I strive to be that compassionate person, to be the loving person, but doggone it, sometimes it's very hard. To, yeah, right? definitely. Yeah. Well, and you know, you bring up a good point. Cause like when I started to share my story, I, I started to share initially, like my overcoming through, you know, um, having, you know, kind of raised in this not so loving environment. And what I found was just a lot of people that didn't want help. And so my new kind of perspective now is, okay, so I've learned a lot of tools that have helped me heal. I've learned a lot of great exercises. What if I approach this from here's things that have transformed my life and remove the labels, mm -hmm. you know, remove the, the, um, the, the, yeah, just remove the labels because I think that when you start to create division of this is a good person, then this is a bad person. Not only do you, do you create the, uh, like a division, but you also really keep people from healing. Um, and, and realizing just the reality, because even like myself as a child of, of being raised in that I had to come to my own conclusion of my own narcissistic impairment is what that's the official narcissistic impairment. And what that means is, um, typically you deal with one to three things on what they call the GSM five, which is what the psychiatrist used to diagnose you. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you have it, it's, you've learned it. So I like my thing, we talked about this a little bit, the thing I dealt with one and my main thing was I really felt, <laughs> I laugh at this now, I really believed that I was called, had a special calling to help people heal. But again, it wasn't out of I'm healed. Mm -hmm. It was out of this need, 
right? Yeah. And um and and just having that. And so once I was able to go, oh, that's that's toxic. That you know, that's a toxic behavior. That's a toxic way for me to be thinking. I can now take that and and stop thinking that. Right. And so it's it's easier that way. But you can't unless you let go of the judgments and you start focusing on the healing. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't feel like you know, they feel condemned walking down that path. Right. It's interesting too, as you're talking about labels um, and we're talking a little bit about trauma. The Course in Miracles says there is no order of difficulty in miracles. And, and essentially what the Course would say is all of our, all of our problems we think we have many problems. We only have one. It's our belief that we're separate from God. That's it. That we believe we're separate from God and separate from one another. And that is why we experience fear and the pain in our lives. And part of it is we identify as bodies. Like we're sitting here having this conversation. We look like two separate bodies, but really we're just one person. Anyway. So there's no order of difficulty in miracles, which suggests that whatever the problem is, the solution is always bringing it back to love. The solution is always being willing to see it differently, see it through the eyes of love. And I think so much of the trauma work that people get into, they, they start to think of like size of the trauma. Mm-hmm. Like some people think, oh, I have this huge trauma, you know, this horrible thing happened to me and maybe somebody else has trauma, but it's a little thing, not as big as like, say someone was raped and, oh, I was just bullied at school. Right. Yeah. The Course in Miracles would say they're both the same. They're both the same. There's no order of difficulty. The miracle in both is to return to love. The miracle in both is to see yourself as God sees you. And to say that thing that happened to me doesn't define who I am. Yeah. It was horrible that the thing that happened was horrible, but I don't have to be at the effect of it. I don't have to look. That doesn't have to be the lens through which now I look at my life. And that's the correction. All of the correction is always the same. And, um, and I think so much of the trauma work is all about revisiting the trauma and and, and I'm not poo-pooing any of that work that people are doing, because I think it's, it is all very valuable to the extent that it actually brings about healing. But sometimes I think um, it can keep you stuck in the trauma too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah. yeah. Um, I just was watching, I just finished watching the four part series um, called The Deep End. Oh my gosh. I just, I did too. I'd never heard of her beforehand. I hadn't either. Teal Swan. <laughs> yeah. And it was funny because I'm watching it. We're talking about narcissism and talking about like your feeling that you needed to yeah. heal the world. Right. And that yeah. was like, I, and so, I, yeah, I watched her and I was like, oh, wow, that's where I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what's interesting is I, uh, someone had shared something from her a couple of years ago and, and some of what she says is really good. Some of it's spot on. And then yeah. some of it's just a little creepy. And, um, and what I think is missing I, from the work that Teal is doing based on what I saw in this four part series is she never, ever brings people back to you're okay because you were loved. Yeah. You're okay because God created you. There's no connection to spirit in her work as far as I could see. It was yeah. it was yeah. all about sort of getting beyond the trauma and thinking your family was, you know, the reason you're all messed up and and pointing yeah, out pointing out all the all the the causes, but not what can you be now? You can be a brand new person. You know, mm-hmm. I have a testimony to kind of relate to this. Now it's a physical thing, but it but it's the same, it's physical and spiritual. So I was disabled for eight years. I was in a car accident. My left arm was completely shattered. Today, they say that I'm disabled, that I'd never use my arm again, but it's perfectly fine. Um, that was a, that's a documented miracle. Um, they don't, they said, we don't know what happened. Right. And uh, I had just tons of people praying for me. 
but then I couldn't walk for eight years. I was in this terrible car accident and my body was thrown throughout this car. And so it, it stretched out the ligaments in my back. So my ligaments could no longer hold my body. And so it, it like kind of hold me up in place. And so they would get tired and my muscles would overwork. This is what they said anyway. And so my tailbone was twisted. My hips were um, twisted up. My hip was right, you know, right up. And they had to put elastic around my waist so I could walk. And I would pass out every week from the pain. So even in my own, like screwed up thinking where I was at, I had this revelation that in my mind, I pictured the enemy going, in, going into a certain area. Like it was almost in my mind, like uh, I pictured it as land he had overtaken. That was God's land, but he had overtaken it. And he, and, um, I had gone in because I had this call to healing. I was in that camp and that the reason I just felt like the reason why I was sick was because I didn't stand up to him because, and, and I, and I just got this, this new identity. I went from, and this is the magic. I went from, I'm a victim. This happened to me to wait a minute. I'm a warrior and I'm called to kick this out, you know, like I'm, I'm called to overcome. And when I got that revelation, I went to church and they prayed for me and I was instantly healed. And I went running for until the sunset and I hadn't been able to run for 10 years. Wow. wow. And I've, I've not had issues since wow. I, I've, I've done, you know, fitness contests and all kinds of stuff. Awesome. That yeah. is awesome. Yeah. But it was that transformation from the victim. And here's the crazy thing is I, I won't go too deep into this, but I, afterwards I did kind of have an, an, a spiritual encounter, like a demonic spiritual encounter trying to attack me again. Mm-hmm. And I just rebuked it in, in the name of Jesus and it left. Yeah. And I was, yeah. com- I'm convinced to this day that because I said I was a victim, that there was some sort of spiritual uh, evil entity that had attacked that belief and attacked me because I came in agreement with it. And so then I got all the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times it's the same with trauma. If you right. say I'm a victim, okay, you're a victim. Here I come. I'm going to torture you now. Law of attraction, right? We get yeah. what we think about. Yeah. If you position yourself as a victim, then you will continue to be victimized. Yeah. The universe has to give us what we believe. Yeah. In fact, it's interesting because I have a friend who said um, she used to pride herself on being a survivor. And she said, because she saw herself as a survivor, the universe kept giving her things to survive. Oh my gosh. I can and see that. so she, she changed her, her uh, viewpoint and she said, I thrive. And which is kind of cool because your company is called a call to thrive. Yeah. So she, she shifted the, the, her vision. She was like, I'm a thriver. And it changed how she showed up in the world. It does. It totally does. And yeah. I do believe in supernatural healing. I mean, the mind is capable of healing the body. The body is a servant of the spirit. It is not who we are. It's our soul. Our spirit is who we are. This body is just the vessel that we're inhabiting. And so, yeah, it is possible a hundred percent when we have the belief, right. And you yeah. have that belief, you know, um, that's, that's really beautiful. What a wonderful thing to share. Um, so thank you so much for that. Um, so quickly let people know how they can find you. You said you're starting to blog or starting to use some, putting yourself out there more in a spiritual bent um, on social media. Yeah. So, so where can people find out more about that? Um, yeah. So I, I would say probably the, the best place is going to be my TikTok account. Um, you can find me under Amy um, Montgomery. It's also digital marketing strategy. I think you can find me under there. I put some digital marketing. I actually started that TikTok and sharing my journey and then slowly started to change it to marketing. So a lot of people that follow me there, follow me for deeper things. Um, I have an Instagram, but, 
right now with about 10,000 people related to this type of content, but I think I'm going to switch that out, but I'll connect it once it's, it's available on the TikTok. So that's probably the best. And I'll let people know where I'm posting and and all of that, because um, I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be a journey for me because, you know, for so many, so many years, I just did the spiritual stuff. And now it's like, you know, it's, it's actually something you had said in, uh, during our podcast is like, you are not what you do. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah. And you can be different things. And I thought, you know, okay, so I have, I have a, a job and that's digital marketing, but, um, that's just that I can have other facets. And so what if I do right. this as kind of a hobby, uh, just a blog post or whatever it may be, maybe I'll turn it, maybe it'll be a podcast at some point, but it's just a way for me to provide what has worked for me, mm-hmm. you know, is Beautiful. what it's going to be focused on. Beautiful. It's just the positive. Yeah. Awesome. And just uh, listeners. So you're able to find Amy. Her first thing was spelled A I M E E. So not the traditional spelling of Amy, A I M E E Montgomery. So find her on TikTok, find her on Instagram. Uh, thank you so much for being here today, Amy, and for sharing your journey and your arts and, and your energy. Um, I, again, whenever I have guests on the podcast, I always feel like we could do two hours um, so easily. (laughs) So Uh, easily. Yeah. Uh, But thank you so much for being here. Now, if you want to know more about me, you can find me at manifestingbrilliance.com. My email address is is manifestingbrilliance at gmail.com. And I am thrilled to let you all know that my very first book, A Place in the Choir, Reclaiming My relationship with God as a queer man is now available on Amazon as a Kindle download or as a paperback. And uh, would love to have you check that out and read it. And if you like it, drop me a line, write a review. It's been such a journey, such a fun experience to share my story with readers. So with that, I will say um, thanks again, Amy, for being here. Thank you for listening and do something brilliant today. Do something to celebrate who you are as a unique expression of the divine. I love you. Bye-bye.